Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergera.com. Oh my gosh. Um, first of all, can we just give it up for King Jesus? First rebuke of the morning, you made more noise for me than you did King Jesus. Give some King Jesus your praise this morning. First rebuke. <laughs> more coming soon. Also, can we just honor uh, amazing Eden who holds it down the keys today? Oh my gosh, it was her first time up here, and she full-on decimated the devil with her uh, smashing of the keys. It was great. Every time she hit a note, just the devil got beat, and I loved it. It was so good. And uh, I don't know what uh, the Lord was doing on Johan's guitar strings up here, but that boy, he was making the devil pay for something. So I just, come on, I'm ready to go. Oh, man. Well, good morning. It's great to see you. Thank you, Ms. Kelsey, for that. Oh, wow. This morning, it is. It is our First Fruits Sunday. And if you're here today and it's your first time, um, I want to just tell you, like, whether it's offering or First Fruits, like, you're underneath no obligation to give. Like, that's... That's for people who call Takeover Church home. That's for people who have set apart the last month to give God our first fruits. In fact, today is just the culmination, but it's not what we've been leading to. In fact, this whole month has all been about putting God first, putting him in his right place, making him preeminent. If we can make him preeminent in the first place, in the rightful place, at number one in our lives for the first month of the year, I believe we will follow suit the rest of the 11. Amen? So that's what this has all been about. And so after my message this morning, if you'd like, we're going to have a time of worship, and I will direct you accordingly, but we have two offering containers up here, and the reason is very specific, and I'll get to that in a second, but during the last song, I will invite you forward, and uh, I would encourage you during the message, there's a block, uh, black envelope on your seat that you are more than welcome to begin to fill out and give and write down on there. Um, you can write down your name. You can write down how much you're giving, but more importantly, I want you to write down what you're believing God to do through your offering. Now, we don't give to get, amen? However, there is a byproduct of being faithful and obedient to God that we don't just give to get, but when we give, He graces us. It's a byproduct. It's who He is. It's what He does. So we don't do it to get His hand to reach out. In fact, no, we give so we can have less of us and more of Him, amen? So I want to encourage you that. And Man, we had this, I had this moment about, I think it was about two or three weeks back. It was at our second... Um, is our second worship night, our, our glory nights. We see, all month long, we set apart. We decided to get the Dwell app for church. In fact, Kelsey, can you throw that up, that graphic up for me real quick? Um, there's a Dwell app. Scan this beast real quick. If you don't have it, this is free to you. Church has paid for this for the year. Please get in the word of God. I need Christians. God needs Christians. Our region needs Christians to have swords. Amen. So there is right there is QR code. Scan that beast. Get that. It's free to you. We love you. We want to bless you. We want to build you. We are building hearers of the word and doers of the word. Amen. Amen. About two weeks ago at our second glory night, I had a vision. And the Lord's been speaking to me in these ways recently, and it's, it's profound, and it's beautiful, and I don't understand it, and I'm completely not worthy of it, and it, I don't get it. But He's good, and He's great, and He's better than me, and He likes me for some reason, and I have yet to figure out why. I, I don't. Not, not being self-deprecating. I have no idea of what in me God sees, but I'm grateful that He sees it. Amen? Is there anybody else who's grateful for what God sees in you? 
And he showed me this vision and there's a reason these envelopes are black. It's, he showed me this vision of all of us at the end of service as we brought our black envelopes forward to these galvanized tubs. It was as, as if we were bringing black grapes up to a wine press. And Lord Jesus, he comes through and he sees all of us laying our black grapes down, our first fruits, our best fruits, our biggest grapes, the best things. And he begins to roll up his robe. I mean, the king of the universe began to roll up his robe and he took center stage on the galvanized tubs and he began to crush and he began to press and he began to make new wine out of our best offering, out of our first fruits. So this morning, that's what this is about. It is about not just equipping Takeover Church to do the most impact and the, and the most faithful work in our region this year. It's about God beginning something new, some sort of new wine that tonight, today, we would see something birthed in this house that hell has to reckon with and that heaven is all behind. Amen. This is what we are about. And I don't, I don't know what your church experiences have been before this, but we actually believe the Bible here. And we actually believe in revival. And we believe in the Holy Spirit. And we believe that God is looking to do a great move in our region. And he, he is aiming to use Takeover Church. That's all I got on that. Like I told you, like I said last week, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna spend the next however long uh, preaching a message, convincing you to give. I don't care about that, okay? Um, we don't do that here. I'm not a preacher who's trying to compel you into anything. I am a preacher who's trying to build you into the likeness and image of God, amen? And I leave that up to the Holy Spirit. So I'm gonna equip you today. I'm gonna build you today. There might be some references to the offering, but I'm not gonna spend the next 50 minutes trying to compel you to give today. Let the Holy Spirit decide that for you, amen? That's what we do here. Who's got their Bibles? Where's my B-I-B-L-E people? Where my leatherbacks at? Come on. Who's got the biggest Bible? Wave it at me like you just do care. Where's it at? Yo, homegirl, what's your name? Yes. Lydia? Lydia's got the biggest Bible I've ever seen. Wow. I wasn't raised in church, so like my family didn't have a family Bible, but if we did, it'd be that one. Oh my gosh. My wife hates when I say that, but that right there is a heathen choker, and uh, I'm all... I am all for it. She hates it. I'm going to hear about it tomorrow at staff meeting, and I don't care. I don't care. Um, I'm, I am Pentecostal to my core, and I love it. That is a, that is a Bible-thumping Bible right there. I love it. Anyways, Lydia, welcome to church. It's good to meet you. <laughs> She's like, I'm never coming back. If you got your Bibles and you're taking notes, we're a note-taking church. There should be like a notepad probably on or around the seat in front of you somewhere. If you need one, you can have that. That's for you. Um, just take it with you. Should be a pen in there somewhere too. If not, you know, just yell out, I need a pen, and someone will throw one at you. Closed, of course. But this morning, the title of my message, we're still in this season of church. It's not a series. We got a prophetic word that we are called to be a church that sets fire upon the earth coming out of Luke 12. That is who we are. That is what we're about. We are the burning people. We will be for the burning. We will be living burnable lives. Amen. That is who we are. We long to be a bride that can burn for God. Amen. This church will be a flare to heaven saying, Lord, if you're coming, come here. Yes, come the title of my message this morning in our fire upon the earth season, two words, real easy, the distinct, the distinct, bless you, the distinct, the distinct. 
And if you got your B-I-B-L-E, open up to Exodus 33. I did not mean for that to rhyme. Exodus 33, 1 through 23. In fact, I'm going to read the entire chapter, and we are going to devour it. Amen? Who's ready for a Salisbury steak this morning? What? Salisbury steak is trash. We can do better than that. Come on, who's ready for a filet mignon? Who's ready for a New York strip? Who came for the meat this morning? If you're a vegetarian, uh, impossible burger. I have no idea. I don't mean to offend you. I just don't know anything about it. Exodus 33, 1 through 23. Lord, help me. The Lord said to Moses, depart, go up from here. You and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to you, your offspring, I will give it. I will send an angel before you and I will drive out the Canaanites and the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and all these people. Go up to the land flowing with what? Milk and honey, making sure you got your Bibles or your reading on the screen. Uh, go up to the flowing land of milk and honey, but I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are stiff-necked people. And when the people heard this disastrous word, <laughs> I've had a few of those in my life, I have. When they, people have heard the disastrous word, they mourned, and no one put out, and no one put out Oh my gosh. And no one put on his ornaments for the Lord has said to Moses, say to the people of Israel, you are a stiff necked people. If for a single moment, bless you, I should go up among you. I would consume you. So now take off your ornaments that I may know what to do with you. Therefore, the people of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments from the Mount Horeb onward. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all of the people would rise up, and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. Sorry, it glitched. I don't know if this is why I need my regular Bible. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp for far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord, everyone who sought the Lord, say everyone who sought the Lord, would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up and each would stand at his tent door. Watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. And when Moses entered the tent... The pillar of the cloud would ascend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship each at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And when Moses turned again into the camp, returned again to the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please now show me, show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. And God said, my presence will go with you. Somebody say, my presence will go with you. And I will give you rest. Somebody say, I will give you rest. 
And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not your going with us so that we are distinct? I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth. And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight. I know you by name. Moses said, please show me your glory. Somebody say, show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show mercy on whom I show mercy. And he said, you cannot see my face for a man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. And then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back and my face shall not be seen. That's a chunk and we're going to pray and we're going to open that up. Sound good? Yeah. Father God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you that we've upset the devil. I thank you, God, for every technical difficulty. I thank you for every glitch. I thank you for every silly thing that tries to rear its ugly head this morning. God, it will not stop your anointed people. It will not stop your body. It will not stop your bride, God. This morning, King Jesus, none of this means anything if you don't go before us. None of this means anything if you don't come with us, God. So this morning, Holy Spirit, we ask that you come. We ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you would begin to move in this room, God, that you would begin to move in every single believer in this room, God, as you would begin to remind us, Lord, remind us whom we are in you, remind us what you placed us on this earth to be, God, to be a burning people, God. And Father, if there's anyone in here who does not yet have a relationship with you, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would begin to act upon them, that you begin to tug on the strings of their heart, that this morning they would realize there is a God in the universe. His name is Jesus, and he longs to have a relationship with me. He has a plan for my life, a purpose for it that brings him glory, God. I ask you, Lord, today, today would be a fragrant offering, a sacrifice to you in total, Lord, that we have set apart the first month, God, to seek you to see you, to hear you, to touch you, to be one with you, God. So this morning, God, I ask that you would take all the last four weeks and God, you would count that up and you would see what each of us have done in our own lives, God, what we don't post on social media, what we have gone without to seek you more, God. And I ask that we would receive such a reward of your presence, such an intimacy with you, God. Father, I ask today that you would spark something in our region the likes of Midwest have never seen before. Not for my glory, not for takeover's glory, but for your glory and your glory alone. That we would build you a bride worth coming back for. In Jesus, my name of faithful church said, amen. The distinct, the distinct, the distinct. Now, with a title like that, you're probably a little bit aware of where I'm trying to head. However, context is king. And you see, I love, I love Moses and I love the Old Testament. I love all of this. Unlike some prolific preachers in our day, we actually still believe the Bible. We do not believe in unhitching from the Old Testament. We believe Jesus literally only ever preached the Old Testament. So how many of you know we're going to stick with the Old Testament? Amen. Amen. 
because we want to be like who? Jesus. So I love this portion of scripture, and this is in the book of Exodus, and this is moments, okay? We have, we have gone out. So we have had Moses lead out the Jews, the Israel people. He has led them out of captivity, out of slavery. He has led them out of Egypt. And right now, they have yet to enter the promised land, and they're somewhere around Mount Sinai. And this is the scene in this moment. They're not in the promised land, but they've already been delivered from Egypt. God has shown up, and he what? He split the Red Sea. He did all these amazing things. He led them out. He put them on dry land through a wetted waterbed. Like, I mean, he did amazing things if you think about it. It says he split the Red Sea and they ran out on dry land. Wait, run that by me again. It's amazing. God did such miracles in that moment that are so minute in detail that he, everything he did in that moment was a miracle. From splitting the sea walls and then causing the ground underneath it to be dry. I mean, God just he showed off. He's like, these are my people. I'm going to show off for them. And he went above and beyond what was actually needed to deliver them, all for them to understand whom he is and whom they are to him. And the reason I bring this up is because literally the chapter before this, they are beginning again in the sand to build idols and false gods and worship them. <laughs> Here Moses is up on Mount Sinai. He's getting the Ten Commandments. And while he's doing that and spending the time with God up there, hearing from the Lord, the Jews and the Israelites, they are just down there going, where is Moses? Where is our God? Where is this? You know what we should do? Uh, you get that rock. You get that rock. We're going to burn some things together, and we're just going to make our own little God over here to worship. Wait, you're telling me he just brought you out of Egypt, yeah. He saved you from Pharaoh, yeah. You were literally owned by another people, yeah. Try to strip you of your God, beat you, flog you for worshiping him. He led you out of all of this. He had plagues. He did all sorts of amazing things. You ran through a grand canyon of water. And because he's up there with Moses for a few brief moments, you begin to build false idols and false gods out of your surroundings. Isn't that just like us? Isn't that just like us? Isn't that, isn't that just like us? The second the breakthrough comes, we praise God and we love it. The second the church service is over, we praise God and we love it. The second the conference ends, we praise God and we love it. The second the wedding's over, we praise God and we loved it. The second we got the promotion, we praise God and we love it. And all of a sudden, one week, two weeks, some time passes in the shine, in the sheen, in the glamour that came with God's breakthrough and his favor and his promotion on your life, his provision to you, his faithfulness to you, his healing upon you. All of a sudden, a little bit of time goes by. And suddenly, the shine of the hope to be in the promised land begins to fade, and we're found making idols out of desert sand. You see, we, we like to look back at the Old Testament, and we want to stand in judgment of these people and not realize we are like them. We come from them. And not a whole lot has changed in the last 5,000 years of human history that we have documented. It's that whether you're God's chosen people by 
being Israel or Jews in the Old Testament, or you're a Christian today in the new covenant, the bottom line, the fact and the case remains the same that if we allow doubt to create wonder in us about our God, inevitably we will begin to wander from our God. If we allow doubt to sink into our heart, to have wonders about our God that are not true, inevitably, friends, much like these Israelites, we will begin to wander from our God. If we do not keep the hope of the promiser, not of the promised land, but the hope of the promiser, then we will, not, we will not even enter the promised land, but instead we will settle for idols and false gods built out of desert sand. Friends, if you and I, if we do not keep the main thing, the main thing, if we do not keep Lord Jesus on his throne, if we don't just exist to go from breakthrough to breakthrough, but instead we exist to have an intimate relationship with our God on the daily. Friends, what happens if we exist moment to moment with God, breakthrough to breakthrough with God, if we decide to live off of spectacle and refuse to be a disciple? I appreciate anybody this morning. Spectacle Christianity is dead. It's done. It's over. It didn't survive COVID. You know what did survive COVID? Disciples. You know what did this, you know what did survive presidential elections? Disciples. You know what didn't? Spectacle. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Friends, we have to be discipled in Lord Jesus, or when the spectacle goes, when the spectacle fades, when the spectacle dies, we will be found wondering about our God and then ultimately wandering away from our God. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? This is what happened. Moses is up there with the Lord, communing with the Lord, literally getting the Ten Commandments from God to give Israel instruction on how to proceed into the promised land. And because they were brought out and rescued, but had yet to receive their full reward, they haven't arrived. They haven't got the milk and the honey, the spectacle of the promised land. They are literally found building idols out of desert sand. And that's you and that's me. Except the idols we begin to construct, they look like our culture. They look like our world. They look like celebrities. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? They look like our sin. They look like our selfishness. They look like ourselves and our own understanding. We may not be found in the desert land, but we certainly start building things out of sand and they will fail us and they will go and they will break and the wind comes and the rain blew and guess what happened? You had nothing afterwards. But this is what happens. This is what happens when we decide to take our eyes off the promiser while we're on the way to the promised land. Friends, can I tell you, the promised land ain't nothing without the promiser. The promised land ain't nothing without the promiser. The promised land ain't nothing without the promiser. Today, we have too many Christians using Jesus as their get-ahead card. We allow Jesus to take us to the dance, but once we're at the dance, we find a different partner to dance with who will make us more popular at school on Monday. 
I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. That's what we do. We use Jesus. Jesus, I pray for your favor. I pray for your grace. I pray for your mercy. Would you open this door? Would you open this door? Pastor, would you pray for this? Pastor, would you pray for that? I just believe in promotion, promotion, promotion. And not that these things are inherently bad. They become inherently bad when we get to the dance and we do the first dance and we take the pictures with Jesus because our parents approve of him and our church approves of him and our friends approve of him and then the second opportunity comes for popularity and greater getting ahead and promotion in the natural, not promotion with God, but promotion with our work and our bosses. The second these things get in, all of a sudden we arrive with Jesus at the dance, but we find a better dance partner who will make us popular on Monday. And we leave Jesus with his back up against the wall. Too many Christians today, we are using Jesus as a get ahead card. And I worry, I worry what Jesus is doing here is so special in our midst. We're seeing healings happen without even needing to pray. We're seeing praise break out without even needing to tell people to do it. I mean, things are happening in our midst. Demons are being delivered. People are throwing up here in the first part of service. I mean, things are happening in our midst that you only read about in books and that you only read about in the book and things that only have happened in the last 40 years, but not in the last 20. Like, I mean, crazy things are happening in our midst and I worry. I don't want to use a home for him to get ahead. That's why we pray for revival people to come here. I was in my prayer class this week and the Lord just hit me with Zechariah. And Zechariah's like, it's not by might and it's not by power, but by your spirit, God. Send us your spirit, God. Do you know what the word for our generation is? It's not by likes and it's not by follows. It's by your spirit, God. It's by your spirit, God. We will not prostitute his glory. We will not merchandise his glory. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? It's for his glory. We will not be these people. I don't care how much we blow up. I don't care how great of land and, 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 and the territory this church begins to take. We will not forsake our first love. We are the bride. He is our bridegroom. Amen. There's no better dance partner. And I don't care to be popular in the religious circles. I care to have favor in heaven. And so in this moment, who's ready for a spanking number two? <laughs> so in this moment, God literally is saying to Moses, he goes, go get them out of here. Go get them out of here. Here's the Ten Commandments. Go kill some Levites, sacrifice them to me, all this good stuff, which is nuts. You should read it. It's fantastic. And get them out of here. And he goes, I will send an angel to go before you and lead you to the promised land. Go to the promised land that I promised to, to Abraham and Jacob and Isaac. Go, go. We have to get them out of here. They have something to do. They have something for them. You need to go and take the promised land. But there's something that Moses says to Israel in this moment that God says to him that I think we pass over, I think we don't understand, and I think we take as, as, as just like a brief uh, transition sentence and what the Lord is doing in this moment. But honestly, I think it's actually massive. He says this, he says, tell those stiff-necked people, which I've gotten that before, because ask my wife, there's nobody more stiff-necked than this guy, okay? 100%. He says, go tell those stiff-necked people to take off their ornaments so that I will know what to do with them. 
Go take off their ornaments so I know what to do with them. Pause. Friends, we have got ornaments. We have got mementos. We have got things that we have been wearing, some chains of slavery that cannot come with us into the promised land. We have got some ornaments on us, some mementos we've taken with us from our Egypts, from our slavery, some chains that we brought with us from our past life before Christ, that as we enter into the promised land he has for us, those ornaments have to come off. They are not welcomed. They are not welcome. Some of us, we have got ornaments of victim mentality. Some of us, we carry around a spirit on us. We have ornaments, decorations, mementos to a spirit of victimhood that we perpetually try to bring with us into the next season, the promised land that God has for us. Problem is, in the promised land, there are no victims. There are only victors. In the promised land... There are no victims. There are only victors. Spirit of victimhood cannot come with you, and it has plagued our generation. It is plaguing our nation. It is plaguing our states right now. We cannot take the spirit, I will grow, the spirit of victimhood with us into our promised land. If you thrive, if you get high on your own supply of being a victim, you have a spirit of victimhood, but it needs to die today. It needs to die today. I pray you write on your offering card, I want the spirit of victimhood to die in me today. Some of us, we have got ornaments. We've got ornaments of self-worth that we were in a previous season before we met Jesus. People seem to value us more. And now that we're following Jesus, it seems like we're not so valued. It seems like we're just kind of part of the crowd. It seems like everyone's just kind of concerned about everyone. And I'm kind of getting lost in the sea of faces here at Takeover Church. And friends, that, that ornament has to fall off. I'd rather be lost in the sea of saints. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Then stand out in a crowd of people far from God. I would rather be lost in a sea of saints at Takeover Church. Pastor didn't talk to me today. That's okay. God met you in the room. You don't need to shine on from my approval. You don't need me to stop by to give you validation. You need to meet with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This ain't about me. It's about Him. That has to die today. Some of us, we have got some religious ornaments that we've brought with us from other pastors, from other Pharisees, from other churches, from other religious experiences that we've had. And you heard somebody say, gifts of healing aren't for today, that needs to fall off you. Some of you have heard the gifts of prophecy aren't for today, that needs to fall off you. Some of you have said the gift, come on, the gift of discernment is not for today. That needs to fall off you. I still believe in the God who said when the Spirit of God falls, men and women shall prophesy. The young men shall have visions and the old men should have dreams. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Listen, I need you to heal people. The kingdom of heaven needs you to heal people. I need you to be prophesying. The kingdom of heaven needs you to be prophesying. Friends, it is for today. And if you've heard otherwise, those ornaments can't come with you where this church is going. Can't. Can't. Uniquely, this turned into like Vision Sunday, and I have no idea how that happened, but it can't. Where we are going, the bigger boat we're pre praying for, the things that we are believing for God to do through this church, the prophetic words that have been spoken over this house, not just this leadership. Every time somebody says, you're going to preach in stadiums, I'm going to be like, no, 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 we're going to put Jesus in stadiums. 
okay? This ain't about me. This ain't about takeover. It's about a home for him, a presence, people. It's not about Matt McClure. If Matt McClure gets hit by a bus, this thing goes forward. Amen? This is what this has to be about. There are some ornaments, friends. There are some ornaments of religion that needs to fall off us, and I'm about to come with a hammer. Forewarning. Some of us, we got ornaments of religion that need to fall off us. I cannot tell you how many times I have been complained to about how long our services are. No, dead serious. You're not going to be laughing in a second. Can't tell you. Why has worship got to be that long? Why has the message got to be that long? Why has service got to be that long? Some of us are going, man, we're about to get hit three hours on a service. That's just not doable. Some of us have served Pharaoh better when we were dead to our sin than we serve our God when we're alive in Christ Jesus. I'm going to say it again. Some of us have served Pharaoh better, more faithfully, while we were dead in our sin then we have our God while we've been made alive in Christ. I mean, think about it. Think about back when you were a sinner before Jesus saved you, how long you used to sin for, right? We used to fight for reasons to sin. We used to make excuses to go out and sin. We used to find reasons to stay sinning longer. Man, some of us, we love long sinning. We love long nights of partying. We loved long nights of drinking. We love long nights and long lines of drugs. We love long lines of people who have notches in our belt buckles. We loved long uh, marital relationships outside of marriage. We I took, an, I took an evaluation of the room before I said it. But we used to exist for long. We used to love it. We used to prolong our sinning, and then all of a sudden we get saved, and it's like, God, here is an hour and 15 minutes of my time. Don't you dare go over. Seems like we, uh, seems like we, we don't really mind long worship services as long as it's the worship of self. First Roots offering is now open. And <laughs> but I'm serious. These ornaments have to come off. These ornaments have to come off. We have got to be a church that says, no, I will serve God better alive in Christ than I served Pharaoh dead in my sin. We have to. We can't stay here. We can't keep doing the same things. No longer will that be good enough for this region. Take over church. We've never been about the temperature. I don't care what the religious climate is here. I don't care what everybody else is doing. I love them. I honor them. <coughs> One kingdom, many houses, many rooms. Love you. Thank you for being a part of the kingdom. We're going somewhere else. Higher, deeper, further. That's what I want. Some of us, we used to want to know how high can we get. Some of us wanted to get so deep in our sin. Some of us, we lived to see how far out in our sin we could just get. And all of a sudden, we get saved. And we don't care how high we can get with God, 
how deep we can go with God, how far we can go with God. But I say today, Lord, teach Takeover Church how high we can go with you. Teach Takeover Church, show me your depths, God. Take me higher, God. Take me further, God. Take this church to places you've never taken a bride because there's a people who are willing to go there. I appreciate anybody this morning. I will fight for length because I want to go with him. I know how long I spent sinning. I know how many nights I spent out. I know what I kept putting in my body. I know how many excuses I made to go and see her, to go and do this, to go and steal that, to do all these things. I know what I went to. Is God not worthy of greater lengths than our pharaohs and our Egypts and ourselves and our sin and our world and our culture? I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. Is this good news? Welcome to the real church, okay? This is what we do here. God deserves a greater offering from a bride that is alive in Christ than Pharaoh deserves, than your Egypt deserves, than yourself, the devil, or demons, or principalities in dark places deserves while you were dead in your sin, amen? How about you praise God real quick? <laughs> Who's offended? I am. I'm preaching to myself here. I need this. I need this. God, what silly things I've done. How many lies I've said. How many excuses I've made just to keep sinning a little bit more. And yet I don't keep that same energy as the kids say when it comes to worshiping my God. <laughs> how many times did you call into work so you could go and sin instead of calling into work so you could go to church? I'm saying. I'm saying. This whole month was about putting him in his right place. There are some ornaments. There are some ornaments that do not belong in the promised land. There are some ornaments and chains of slavery that have to come off us if we're going to go where God is calling this church to go. Amen? So what happens next, Pastor? Well, Moses. Moses being Moses. He goes and he delivers this message. And it's awesome. And people are upset. And then he kind of shifts gear for a second, and Moses enlightens us to this thing about this meeting tent that he has. And I love this meeting tent. He says he goes outside the camp, and he sets up a meeting tent just like this, okay? Just like this. He sets up a meeting tent. The Bible is very clear on this, okay? We got to get this new age Christianity crap out the door, okay? We'll not survive in the bride of Christ. It is temples first, and then it is houses. Four people in their living room, not a church, okay? Great small group. Temple, then houses. That's what the Bible says. I didn't make the rules. He did. Amen? Amen. But I love this part because this is, what he, this is what he said. He goes, I go and I set up this meeting tent. And then it says, those that sought the Lord. Hear me, hear me, hear me. Moses goes, he's with his intern Joshua, like my intern Micah, and he goes and prepares the house like Micah and I do on Mondays. Right, Micah? My man. Everyone, Micah, raise your hand. This is Micah. Young, young Micah. That's what we call him. That's what we call our interns, young something. He's young Micah. He's a great armor bearer. Um, he, prepares the, he prepares the tent, him and his intern Joshua. And then the glory comes. And then it says, those that sought the Lord went and joined in. Hear that today. Just like Israel in the Old Testament, and just like the church today in the New Testament, just because you are God's choos chosen people does not mean you are inherently choosing to be with God. Yeah. 
Just because you are in doesn't mean that you are choosing to be a part of. Hear that today. Those that sought the Lord were found at the meeting tent. Those that sought the Lord were found at the meeting tent. That means that you could totally be a Christian and exist on the peripheral. You'll just never see the glory. It means that you could be a Christian, exist on the peripheral in the outer courts of your tent, of your camp, of where you are, never going to the meeting tent, still be quote unquote apart, but you'll never take part. I preach to anybody this morning, the glory comes. And if you decide that you are going to live on the peripheral of what the Lord is doing, guess what? You not only miss out on God's glory, but you miss out on all that comes with God's glory. God's glory never comes alone, it comes with his glory. Somebody's like, that's a stupid sentence. No, it's not. Think about it. <laughs> what happens when God touches down on earth? Anything. <laughs> Amen? So we got to pause right there and we got to ask ourselves today, am I a Christian on the peripheral? Do I live my life? Am I going to the meeting tent? And am I seeking the Lord? Or do I just exist on the peripheral? Am I, going, am I missing out on what the Lord is doing? Am I just a taker? Am I just a consumer or am I going or are other Christians going to the meeting tent and bringing something back to camp and I'm getting secondhand campfire smoke on me or am I going to the glory, the Lord of smoke and fire? Am I going to him? Do I smell like others who have been around him or do I smell like him? I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. Those that sought the Lord, because here's what happens. We get all nutty. We get so weird and judgmental about people who go and seek the Lord, don't we? When we got a religious spirit on us, we just get weird about it. We're going, why do they want to spend so much time at the meeting tent? Well, my life's just not set up that way. Well, it costs a lot to go and do that. It's hard to build your life around this. It's hard to do these things. My life's just not set up that way. And we start having these stupid internal dialogues where we have this conversation with the devil because it sure isn't with God. And we start having these judgmental conversations with the enemy about people who have greater access to pastors and leadership than we do, who experience greater promotion in church than we do. All of a sudden, they're further along than we are in their walk with God. They're talking in tongues, and I've been following God 15 years. All of a sudden, we start having a conversation with demons because it sure isn't with God. He ain't going to let you talk that way about his bride and get away with it. Kidding me? Ain't gonna happen. So who are you talking to? Because it ain't him. And you start building up this judgmental roadblock on the inside of you, judging people who wanna be a part, judging people who have greater access. Friends, can I tell you this? Those that have access, they don't just have greater access, they have access in excess. They have access in excess. The Lord is an excessive giver. He loves it. He loves it. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, guess what? They get it. <laughs> You have not because you what? Ask not. He longs for you to ask, seek, knock at the door, just like we prophetically clanged that bell on Wednesday night. We're going to ask, seek, and knock at the door. Sing it. Ask, seek, knock at the door. Ask, seek, and knock at the door. Ask, seek, knock at the door. Just you. Ask, seek, knock at the door. Dang right. The Lord longs to give you excess. He, he doesn't want to withhold anything from you. He just wants you to be a trustworthy vessel for it. He doesn't aim to keep. He aims to give. But he has to know if what he's giving you access to can be trusted in your hands. Are you someone who can be trusted with his access? Because here's what ends up happening. Moses goes, clears out, goes back to the regular camp. Tent's still set up. 
Guess who's at that tent? Young Micah. Young Joshua. It says Joshua, his intern, son of Nun, didn't depart from the tent. Why? Because he's young? Because he's broke? Because he's a college kid who doesn't have anything else to do? Maybe. (laughs) Or is it a spirit and a mantle that's placed on Joshua that he has tasted and seen and can no longer deny it? You want to know why? Joshua's the one that actually ends up finishing Moses' assignment. So guess what? Old folk in the house, which I'm so grateful for you, Young Joshua here, it's not just a thing about age. It's a youthfulness in spirit, and we need that. And I believe that right now the Lord is birthing a youthfulness in the seasoned saints where he can pass on both doctrine and divinity at the same time, where he is pairing maturity and zealousness together in old. Amen? He's bringing it. Guess what? Us wild young people, I'm in my 30s, but I'm still young. We need you. We need you. The body needs you. The bride needs you. Jesus needs you. And this is what he's doing. We can all be like young Joshua and not depart. I imagine all those people back at camp judging those at the tent were all the ones who just think that, well, the glory is reserved for those in ministry. There's only two people in this story that are in ministry, Moses and his intern. Just Moses and Joshua. We don't even see Aaron. In fact, Aaron, in Exodus 32, he was with them, building stupid idols out of sand. And Aaron is his brother. I got Moses, and Aaron's his mouthpiece. And where's his mouthpiece? Building idols. But he's got an intern. And guess what? They are found there. Friends, there is an excess in your access, but you will never have access if God can't trust you. If God doesn't find you faithful, if you are not, it says those that, again, hear me, sought the Lord. There is a difference. There are Christians that seek, and they are the same Christians that find. And those are those who don't seek and those who do not find. There are two things here. Christianity is a place of haves and have-nots. And you only have not because you are seeking not. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. Hard truths today, but it's reality. It's who our God is. It's backed up all throughout Scripture, and He is saying, come and seek me at this meeting tent. Drop your religious ornaments. Drop your preconceived notions. Get back to what the Word of God says. Be in the meeting tent where His glory falls. See what I'll do. See what I'll do. I'm raising up men. I'm raising up men who will lead women to the meeting tent. I am sick and tired of coming out of a generation. Men, hear me today. And if your man's not here, you text him and you rebuke him. Hear me. Gone are the days of a woman leading the household to the meeting tent. That dies at takeover. I'm not interested in that. If I'm asking again where your man is, You need to be asking where your man is. We can't. We're not doing it. We will not fall into the pits of the previous generation. We will go back to an ancient text for an old God with the same word, doing the same things, birthing dreams in the young and the old. Amen? Amen. It's who we are. I'm going to keep rolling because I could stay on the meeting tent all day. 
If you've, got a, if you've got ornaments of judgment on you, listen, those that get are the ones that are there. Those that receive from his glory are the ones that are found in it. The ones that get from his glory have prioritized being in his glory. It's simple. We've made it difficult. We judge one another and we think, man, they're moving further along in things than I am. And it's like, no, they're not. They're just prioritizing the glory. As the Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. And I believe he's romancing hearts right now. And I know we don't like that, but it's biblical language and I prefer his. I have a limited vocabulary. People tell me that. So I, I use his instead. <laughs> but he is romancing hearts this morning and he is bringing us back to this meeting, this meeting tent. Ornament free, mementos free, chains of slavery and bondage broken off of us. God deserves a greater offering. I think one of the ways that will help us get a greater understanding of this is what happens next. Moses, he goes to God and he goes, God, you still haven't told us who will go with us. He literally says, you still haven't told us who will go with us. You've told me that you know me, you know my name, and I've grown in favor with you. But Moses being a child, being a child of God, he turns it on God and he goes, but I wanna know you. I wanna know you, teach me about you. I wanna grow in favor and stature with you. Hear me today, Moses is being a child of God. This is the appropriate relationship between us and God the Father. He is not looking for leeches. He left them in the mud for a reason. He's looking for sons and daughters. He formed you out of mud for a reason. He doesn't need more consumers who just take from him but are never consumed by him. He doesn't just need more consumers who devour everything he has but are never devoured by him. He is looking for sons and daughters who will say the words of Moses and say, I get that you know my name, but that's not enough for me. I get that I've grown in favor and stature with you, but I want to purposely grow. I don't want to just somehow do the right things and have some measure of favor with you. No, no, I want to purpose my life to grow in favor with you. Show me your glory. He says, I want to know you, teach me about you so that I might grow in favor with you. Yeah. Hear me today. This is the cry of takeover church. Tell me about you. I want to know you. I want to grow in favor with you. There used to be a time, friends, there used to be a time when the cry of the church was, I want to know you, I want you to teach me about you, and I want to grow up in you. But we have forsaken, we have forfeited growing in the knowing, the teachings, and the favor of God. Instead, we have placed it on the knowing, the teachings, and the favor of man. Want to know how I know? Because we decided that we want to know celebrities over our king. We decided that we want to be taught by Fortune 500 CEO company businessmen so we can run a church like a businessman. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? We've decided that we'd rather grow in favor with pop stars who have no fruit of Christianity in their life other than a marijuana line called peaches. We have forfeited. We have forfeited 
and we're going to take it back. This is the call of our house. I want to know you. Teach me about you. I want to grow up in favor with you. That's who we are. That's the cry and the plea and the beating heart of Takeover Church. People always get upset because I go on about the Enneagram. I don't want to know more about me. Quit teaching me about me. I want to know about you. Teach me about you. Literally, he says, who will go with us? If you don't go with us, Lord, then we don't want to go. You might as well not even bring us up from here. If you don't go with us, if your presence does not go before us, you may as well not go up here. Friends, if his presence doesn't go before us, we might not even give today. We might as well not even give. We might as well not even do this. If he's not going to come with us, then there is nothing for us up there because the promised land is bankrupt without the promiser. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. Your dreams are bankrupt without the dream giver. Your visions are bankrupt without the vision giver. Am I preaching to anybody? To get, your marriage is bankrupt without the one who authored marriage. Your sexuality is bankrupt without the one who designed sexuality. Our community is bankrupt. The world is bankrupt. America literally is bankrupt without the one who birthed and spoke it and placed it into being. Friends, we've spent so much time forfeiting knowing about God that we have decided more could be done with electing a Republican into office than a revival in the church. Friends, I came today to tell you this. A revival breaking out in the church will do more than a Republican in office. I'm conservative. I vote Republican. I make no bones about that. I don't try to hide it. I am proud of that. Want to know why? Because there are two ways to save people. Want to know the first one? It's the best one. Salvation, getting them to Jesus. Second way to save people, great laws, and we need great lawmakers to do it because we got to save them from themselves and save other people from those cells. Amen? That's what we do. That's the reason we vote. That's the reason we have a hand in the game. So now we're going to stand in the gap. We're not just going to allow child mutilation to continue. We're not. But guess what? More would be done in America if a revival broke out in the church, then a Republican being elected into office. I'm sorry, it would. That's what, that's what history of the world shows us. The church rattled Caesar in Rome. Do you understand? They killed Jesus because of it. It's the point. It's the point. It's his bride, not his party. It's his followers, not his fans. It's his disciples, not his spectacles. He literally says, if you don't go before us, then we don't want to go. And then, and then God replies, listen to this. Worship team, you can make your way up here. God responds this way. Hear me today. As the worship team is making their way up here. He says this. <laughs> he goes, my presence will go with you and I will give you peace. Can I ask you today? How many of you are more riddled with anxiety knowing more about you and less about God? Please, for the love of God, throw away the self-help book. For the love of God, throw away the self-help book. For the love of God, throw away the self-help book and get in the book. He says he will go with you and he will give you peace. We've never gotten peace knowing more about us, knowing more about how we work. No, we need to know more about us through him. Have him tell us about him and have him tell us about us. 
He knows you. He knit you together. He knows the hairs on your head. He formed you in your mother's womb. Friends, he's the same God, and he knows how you tick, and he knows how you're triggered, and he knows how you work, and he knows every event of your life. But he says, if you ask me, see Moses here, he wasn't content with an angel. God started off this whole agenda by saying, I'll send an angel to go before you. And then Moses goes, hey, you haven't told me who's going. Which angel is it? Who's going? And then he goes, you know what? Scratch that. If you don't go, you might as well not bring us up there. If you're not going, don't bring us up there. Friends, if, if he's not going, if he's not leading Takeover Church to a revival in our region, why, why are we going to give? Why are we going to give? Why are we going to sow? Why are we going to give him our first fruits? Why are we meeting in a warehouse? Why are we singing songs? Why are we? Why does everyone on my staff literally work two full-time jobs to be able to do Takeover Church? Like, why? Why are we doing this? We're doing this, all of it because we know that we know that we know that we have seen it. We've tasted it. He has shown us his glory and the heartbeat of Takeover Church is to continue, show us your glory. We will give, we will pour out, we will go because we know we've already seen it. Your presence, God, has already gone before us. Moses, at the end of this, he says, God, show me your glory. Show me your glory. I wanna see your presence. I want to see your power. I want to see your fire. I want to see your magnitude. I want to see how majestic you are. Your vastness, your bigness, the expanse of your being. I want to see your person. I want to touch you. I want to feel you. I want to taste you. I want to know you. Show me your glory. And I believe right now that the Lord is looking for a church that will make this their anthem that will make this their heartbeat, that have decided today when we give, you know what, God, I'm giving, please show us your glory. May my offering go towards your glory. May my offering go towards a communion revival in our region. May we see the prophetic words spoken over our church that we will advance on our knees and we will fill stadiums. May that begin today with a church that doesn't desire the stadiums, but desires the one. I don't want, I don't want the Dallas Cowboy owner to teach me how to get into stadiums. I want the Lord to teach me how he gets into the stadiums. Today, as you give, I want to encourage you in a few different ways. Obviously, there's a QR code in there. There's cash placed in the envelope, however you do things. But as you come forward in just a moment, as our worship team begins to sing, we'll bring the lights down and I encourage you now to begin to kind of fill out your thing if you haven't already. We're going to bring the lights down a little bit just to reserve this as an intimate time because here's what I want you to do. Much like communion, as you're placing your offering in that container and bringing it forward, 
I want you to ask God. I want you to ask God, show me your glory. Show me your glory as you come as a family. Don't come alone. If you're a family, come as a family. You bring your kids, you place your first fruits in their hand and you train them up in the way that they are to go so they will not depart from it, amen? And you come as a family and you say as a family, Lord, show us as a family your glory. My family, we wanna know you. My family, we wanna be taught by you. My family, we wanna grow in favor with you, amen? If you're single, Say, God, show me your glory in my singleness. Show me your glory. If you're a single parent, show me your glory as I raise my children. Show me your glory. Teach me about you. I want to know you. Maybe today you're friends. And the Lord hit me with this. Because me and my friends, we used to do silly stuff for the Lord all the time. We still do. But if you're in here and you're like a friend group, you're a posse together, I want to encourage you to come as your friend group, as your posse. I want you to come with your friends, and I want you to say, Lord, teach my friend group about you. Show us you. Show us your glory. My friend group, we want to grow up in favor with you. I want every age bracket, every demographic, every socioeconomic person represented to here today for your cry today to be, show me your glory. Show me your glory. So I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna invite you to come forward. I'm gonna join Pastor Adrian, my lovely bride, and we're gonna give and we're gonna see what the Lord will do through Takeover Church's first fruits in the next 11 months. Father God, I thank you today, God, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you are above this, God, that you are above this, God. That a new building, God, with a greater kids area, yeah, it's the desire of our hearts, but we don't desire it over you. A building, a bigger boat, God, with more than just two bathrooms. God, we desire it, we would love it, but we don't desire it or love it more than you. God, the goals that we have for our church, the dreams you've given us, even the prophetic words that have come from your own lips, God, we don't value those more than we value the lips that spoke them. God, it's who we are. May today you find a bride that not only, God, you can burn upon, but you find a bride, God, that is more interested in the one who does the burning than the burning itself, God. That we're more interested in the promotion giver than the promotion we'd get. That we're more interested in the promiser than the promised land. God, that if you're not going before us, then you might as well not even bring us up there, God. We only, we only, we only, we only, God. Hear me, Jesus. We only want to go if your presence is going before us. So King Jesus, in this moment, come, take over. Take over the room. Take over our offering. Take over the worship, God. Take over in this moment, Jesus. We relent to you. We relent to your throne. You have your way right now. Holy Spirit, begin to come, God, as we begin to come and bring our offerings, Lord. We say, show us your glory. We want to know you. We want to know your ways. Teach us your ways, God. Our aim 
much as we love for church to grow and revival to come. We want revival in us first, and we want to grow in you. In Jesus' mighty name, a faith-filled church said, would you stand? Amen.